Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. Um, Zach is in Morocco. He'll come home tomorrow, so you get me today, okay? I'll try to be a good girl. This is online, so I do feel the weight of that. I'll be good no matter what. Anyways, um, in thinking about Father's Day, I realized that, um, you know, that has a different meaning for everyone. My dad was here with us in first service, and um, I love having my dad here, but I'm also aware that some of you in this room, your father has already gone on ahead of you into eternity. And so there's just a couple of things I want to address this morning when I say Father's Day. Um, we want to celebrate dads, the dads that we have here. We want to reflect on the dads who've gone on before us. We want to honor our fathers who have made sacrifices for their families and worked the hard jobs in harsh climates and dangerous locations or perhaps fought in a war somewhere very far away. We seek to honor all the fathers who've worked two jobs to provide for their families and dads who coach and teach and raise up future generations of workers and leaders and athletes and teachers and scholars and ministers. We take time today to reflect, to show gratitude for fathers who help shape lives. For those who've experienced the loss of a father, we mourn with you today. For those of you who've experienced pain or abuse or neglect from a father, then we stand with you today as you lean into the presence of your heavenly father who loves you very much. To anyone here today who longs for a father to turn to the Lord, then we want to pray with you today that your father would come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus really is. So when we say happy father's day, we mean with our whole heart, wherever you're at today, may you find peace. I feel like I was given the, the more challenging task this year. Zach was able to speak on Mother's Day, and I was given Father's Day. And I feel like this is a tough year for men in general. Can you agree with that? I feel like media has pretty much only bad news for men. And I really, um, I don't allow that to bother me mostly because I don't allow culture to define me or my mindset. And so today I want us to very genuinely evaluate what are we believing and what are we allowing our mindset to be shaped by? Because if you're allowing your mindset to be shaped by culture, then I wanna tell you, you're believing a lie. God designed men in his image. He designed women in his image and we have roles to play that are God-given and ordained by him. And they can only be defined by him because he designed it. So we constantly have to define, are we viewing ourselves by culture? Or are we viewing ourselves by God? And so today, I feel like I have the privilege to stand and share with you that God has a lot to say on this topic of men. And I want to get right into it. God wants to call our men out in our churches. He wants to give them an adventure to achieve, and he wants to give men a new name. I referred to a great book um, in just trying to wrap my mind around men because I'm not one. 
And this book I, I was referring to is Wild at Heart. And the tagline says, A Window into a Man's Soul. If you've never read it, both men and women should read it. Because I found it to be funny a lot of times and insightful. Um, but it gave me a really good uh, line that I, I really kind of held on to and I really felt like it was important to share with our men today. And it's simply this. Men, you've got what it takes. You've got what it takes to lead your families. God has given you a role to play. And the great news is you don't have to do it alone. He promises to be your strength and your guide. And so today I really hope that you can be encouraged through this message, through the scripture that we're going to dive into because I really feel like the Lord wants to call us out. As a church, we have to recognize the spiritual assault on men and we cannot allow the culture to define it. There is a calling out and I think that kind of has a negative um, a negative phrase or a negative meaning to it, like I'm gonna call you out or God's gonna call you out. No, it's just the opposite. You're being called out for purpose. And so when I was working on this message, I was thinking back to a very important phone call that we received when we were in Sudan. We had packed our container, we shipped it ahead of us, and had this been a perfect world, that container would have been patiently waiting on my arrival so that I could set up my home. But that wasn't the case. We waited about four months for this container to finally get all sorted out through the ports and the costs. And it was really, it was quite a mess. I wish I could say I did that with grace and style and patience, but I didn't. I was very frustrated. And by the time we got the call saying our, our container was being released from the port, you know, there wasn't a second thought in our minds what we were going to do. I didn't say, well, I really need to go to the grocery store and I really need to run here or there. No, it was everything changed. All of our focus and our direction was on getting to this container. I think we have a, a little video of it. So that's it. That's Zach. Um, it's a 40-foot container, and I, there were times I felt like he was pulling that entire container with his own strength. He was so determined to get this positioned on these four little concrete slabs that had been poured as the foundation for this container. It was just kind of long overdue. Culturally, it would have been totally inappropriate for me to go out there and somehow help out with this process. So all I really could do was stand back and take pictures and take video. So that's what I did. I have about a thousand video clips similar to that. And it was just amusing for me to watch Zach use every muscle to get this container in position. It was amusing to hear him use every phrase he knew in Arabic, which wasn't much, but he was doing his best to communicate and guide and direct and pull. And, and, you know, it was just one of those moments that we'll never forget. But honestly, I love that it was one of those like high adrenaline uh, moments and we can't live on high adrenaline, but it's definitely a moment where you wake up and you feel alive, right? And I can tell you in that moment, Zach was definitely feeling very alive. Our whole home was on that container and thousands of dollars worth of curriculum was on that container and it was like just so long overdue. 
And I feel like that's, that was just something that stood out to me so strongly because if we allow ourselves to believe what's happening in culture, then I feel like it can defeat the men in our world. And then you don't feel alive and you don't feel energized. And that's just not what God designed. So again, men, you've got what it takes. You can do this and you're not alone. I feel like a lot of times we, we do things based on what we believe. So do we believe God is real? And do we believe God loves us? And do we believe God knows us? Because if you don't believe it, and you won't call on him, and you certainly won't obey him. So I want to dive into this message today that God knows you. God knows you, and he wants to call you out. God knows you, and he wants to take you on a journey God knows you, and he wants to give you a new name. So I'd like us to look at scripture this morning, Revelation 2, 12 to 17. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I get to say it because I say it every morning when you say it. Anyways, if you find that, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word this morning. And let's take a look at the scripture. Revelation 2, 12 to 17. To the church in Pergamum, and to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold to the teachings of Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna And I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. These are the very words of God. You may be seated. So John is the writer here, and he is exiled to the island of Patmos because he's a disciple of Jesus, and he's telling the story of Jesus. John was loved by Jesus, and Jesus loved John. And John faced some really brutal persecution, but he didn't die. So then he gets sent to Patmos to basically live alone and eventually die. And I find that so amusing because Jesus shows up and says, now I want you to write all this down and share it with the churches. And that's that message that was given then to the seven churches is just as relevant today. And that's just the amazing thing about scripture. But I love looking at Revelation 1.9. It tells us the condition of John. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. 
And I love this scripture, and I, I put this one in because, you know, we've been talking through Luke, and we're constantly seeing this very personal Jesus, the Jesus that comes alongside the disciples and is teaching them and helping and healing and asking the children to come to him. But then we get to Revelation, we see a very different side. And I just love this. So I put this in for all the men, okay? Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the son of man, clothed with a long white robe and with a golden sash around his chest. His hair of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining, full of strength. I think sometimes it's good for us to remember all the facets of God. And we don't even know them all. But we serve a wonderful and a mighty God who is always with us. So I want us to look at the first point. God knows you and calls you out. Um, in this time of just trying to prepare, I just love that the Lord led me to the church in Pergamum because the church in Pergamum is the church called to truth. And I feel like that's exactly where we find ourselves today. We need to be the church that rightly values what's happening around us, that we define everything by scripture, and we are people of truth. We cannot expect to be in, involved in conversations on behalf of the Lord, on behalf of the church, if we're not using scripture as our guide. So I love that, even though this letter was written so long ago to the church in Pergamum, it's absolutely true for our church today. God created man. God designed a plan for a man's role. And we can look to scripture to know where we go from here. Jesus shows up to meet with John to share a very important message, and it's timeless. Jesus says to the church in Pergamum, I see where you are, where Satan's throne is. And this is an interesting thing. So Zach and I and the kids, we all went through the seven churches in, in Turkey, and that was an amazing trip. Uh, we just soaked in every little bit of information we could on the van ride to each place so that when we got there, we really kind of knew better what we were seeing and, you know, it's ruins after all, so you're kind of having to use your imagination. So we really tried to take it all in and, and make the most of that trip. But this says, and it says in scripture, I see where you are um, that Satan's throne is there. And I love this because to the church in Pergamum, this is very insightful because they see that God sees them right where they are. He sees what's going on. He knows what's going on around them because this is a spiritual and a literal reference. In Pergamum, there's a lower city and then there's a mountain and then there's an upper city. And that's, if you go there today, those are the ruins that you're gonna see. On the upper city was a structure that looked like a stone throne. And the reference was Satan's throne. And now that throne's not there yet. Now someone came and took it away and put it somewhere else and, you know, as a trophy or a memento. Who, whoever understands why people do the things they do with these ruins. Anyway, it's, it's real. It's a real reference. And I love that because you know the people understood that God was with them. It mentions Antipas, that Antipas was killed. And so that lets us know 
Things are tough there. This isn't an easy situation. People aren't just thriving in, in their knowledge of Jesus, you know, in total freedom. There is strong persecution there. People are losing their life for the cause of Christ. So it, the scripture is showing us that things are tough. It mentions the teachings of Balaam and Balak, which is just letting us know that there was a lot of false teaching in that time and, and worshiping of Caesar. And if you didn't do that, then you were obviously a part of the way and, and you just had all kinds of problems. He calls the church to repent. Jesus is always gonna call us to repentance. He's always gonna call us to truth. But that's not really the call out that I want us to focus on today because repentance is ongoing. Until we meet Jesus, we'll always be in that mode of repentance and surrender to the Lord. The call out is the call to purpose. What are we doing as Jesus calls us out to himself and for a specific time? And I love that. Jesus calls men out for a purpose. When I think about Zach and I, we have roles to play. And I really appreciate Zach and the role he plays because it allows me to have the role I play. Does that make sense? So here's an example. When we were overseas, we would go to different markets and things. And, and Zach really takes security very seriously. And so he's always mindful of, you know, like what's going on around us, who's around us, what's happening. And I know it. I know what he's thinking about. And so I don't. <laughs> Both of us don't need to be concerned with the same thing. And so when I go to a market, I've pretty much come there for one reason, and that's to shop. So I'm trying to look at scarves and I'm looking around at all these different little things that I want to see. And Zach, I know, is behind me, you know, so much taller than all of us anyway. And he's just looking out and he's, you know, mindful. Well, then later on in the day, he talks about this and how I go into a market and I'm just like, oh, look at this and oh, look at that. And I said, exactly, that's what I'm supposed to do. Because if I'm going to be afraid, not that he's afraid, but just having to watch everybody and, and just be so aware of our security, I'd rather stay home. Because that's just not my thing. I've gone there to shop and I want to do our thing. But I say that because Zach has his role to play. And I love that. He does it so well. But as he does his thing, it allows me to do my thing. I get to have my role and I get to flourish and shine and feel safe and feel protected. And I get to bring the fun into all the things that we love to do so much. And it's important. God has made men in his image and for a reason. And I want our men to shine in the way that God has designed them. John Eldridge in his book, Wild at Heart, shares a story about a day when his father basically tells him to go get the steer that had gotten out. And he said his dad sat down, started drinking some tea, kicked off his boots, and told John to go do it. And he was nervous and scared, and he didn't really want to do it. And that meant he would have to, like, saddle up a particular horse that he was kind of afraid of that was going to require him, you know, to get this steer. But he said, you know, he did it, and his dad knew he could do it, but the sense of validation he felt afterward knowing that his dad knew he could do it. And then from that day on, it's new, it's new things to accomplish. 
It's new things to achieve. And that just really stood out to me because I feel like so many times if we're not careful, we just stay back in fear. And we don't shine and we don't take opportunities even though we're being called out. And I want us to feel that this morning. So God calls us out. The second point is that God knows you and he wants to take you on a journey. And if I'm not careful, I could talk for hours on this point because I love adventure. I love to go on a trip. I love to have a journey. I feel like that's when we feel alive. And I love that so much. The church in Pergamum, if we look at the church in Pergamum, they were definitely living on adventure. The cost of their faith could lead to death. Following Jesus was difficult. Going against Caesar was obvious in their culture and how you worshiped. And when I was going through this, it just caused me to pause and just to be grateful for the men and women of faith who've gone before me that have allowed me to have the freedom and faith that I have today, the freedom to be able to be in this place and to worship without fear, without persecution, and without hardship. But there were other people who didn't have the same situation. And I feel like it's important for us to pause and be grateful for those who have gone before us in the cause of Christ. He wants, God wants to take us on a journey. And this is, you know, focused toward men, but this is for men and women. God wants to take all of us on a journey. Because when you go on a journey, faith is required. You're always going to come into some moments of the unknown where faith is going to have to come into play. You can look at people in scripture. You can look at Abraham. He trusted God when God said, leave your country and your people and go to the land I will show you. Now, if you're honest and that was you, you would have said, and I'll come back to abiding time tomorrow and get more information on that. Like, what's the weather going to be like? How long is it going to take? What should I pack? Who's going to go? Who's going to be there? What kind of things are going to happen along the way? The list goes on and on of all the questions we want to have. But I'm thankful that Abraham obeyed. Leah, you know, Zach talked about Leah on Mother's Day. She trusted God when she was faced in a marriage with someone that didn't love her. Mary trusted God when she was asked to raise the Messiah. Peter, he needed faith to look beyond his faults and to be the rock and the foundation upon which our church was built. Faith is required and God can use us in our journey. We can listen to the leading of the Lord and find that God wants to take us on a journey that's filled with purpose. And I believe his purpose is simply the invitation to the kingdom of heaven. I really do not enjoy living on this earth based on what I see around me all the time. But I do enjoy living on this earth with purpose, knowing that I'm living in the kingdom of heaven. So I'm not defined by what's happening around me. I'm not defined by culture. I really could care less what's on the news if you want to know the truth, because my eyes are set on the kingdom of heaven. I'm blessed by the people that are in my life. I view people as a gift of God. If they are a fellow brother and sister in Christ, my eternity has already begun with them because we'll be brothers and sisters in Christ all through eternity. So I try to honestly live with an eternal perspective. What's going on around me matters very little. Why? Because it's just totally on a false pretense. 
It's not what God designed. And I wish so many times that we could just take culture out of our mindset because that makes us feel like victims. We're victims of the fall. We're victims of sin. And this is what we're left with. When I feel like God showed us his original plan and his original design, and if we try, we can live very close to his original design. But that's up to each one of us. Is it difficult? Sure. And everybody in history has managed to fail in some way or another. But guess what? The plan is there. And it's up to us to want to live according to God's design. And that's part of the journey that we get to go on. Zach and I feel like we're on a journey. God brought us here. And if you know our story, we love our story and how God brought us here. We feel like we're still on an amazing journey. And that's because as we abide, God continually gives us little pictures of what's to come. And it's humbling. It's kind of scary at times because we can't go alone. We all have to be going together. And so that's, that's kind of a weighty task. How are we going to get all of us moving in the direction that God wants us to go? And I feel like it's easy for people to say, well, what's the big deal? You guys lead a church. Church is church. You know, it's kind of all the same thing. And I just want to say, I can't explain what God's doing at our church. And I get to be a part of it. And there's nowhere else on the planet I'd rather be except when a missionary comes and then I always want to go where they're saying I should go. (laughs) And then I cry on the front row and then I get my tissues and I suck it up and say, no, this is where I'm at and I love the journey I'm on. And the next time the church is going on a missions trip, I'm going, I'm going with them. But anyway, I love the journey and I love the journey that God has us on right now as a church and as a church body. So God knows us, he calls us out. God knows us and he wants to take us on a journey And the last point is this, God knows you and he wants to give you a new name. I love the letters to the churches. I love how they apply to us today. And I just want to read uh, verse 17. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the church. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. I don't know about you, but I love to look at scripture, underline, circle, highlight, draw arrows. I know it makes a mess, but it's awesome when you can really look at scripture and see how personal God means to be through his word. And so I'm going to go ahead and just break some of this apart because it's just so true to us today. So if you break down this verse, you're going to find there's a lot of promise. It says to the one who conquers. Okay, right there. You could stop right there. Because how many of you feel like a conqueror? How many of you feel like a victim? I mean, be honest. I mean, your relationship with the Lord should be so honest. Because then I feel like that's where the Lord can do work. And he can heal and he can change mindsets and he can bring us along. So in the scripture right there is to, to the one who conquers... That's when I want to say, underline, highlight, circle, smiley face, star things around it. And I want to raise my hand and say, me, 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 that's me. I want to be a conqueror. Okay, so then what happens when you're a conqueror? It says, I will give some of the hidden manna. 
Okay, hidden manna references back to the Old Testament when the Israelites are walking through the, the wilderness and they need food and they call out to God and God says, I'll give you food every single day. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do anything. I'm just going to give it to you and it's going to be manna. And don't take too much of it. Don't be stingy and selfish. It'll go bad. It'll spoil. Don't worry about it. It was absolutely given and provided for their needs. So what does that say to us today? To the one who conquers, I will give the hidden manna. That should tell us God has us covered. He's going to give you everything you need to keep following him. He's got you covered. There's not one little thing he won't give you and he won't provide. Then it says, I will give him a white stone and with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. I don't know, is this time for the picture? Yes, thank you guys. You are so awesome. And I know you're gonna be so happy when Zach gets back. <laughs> so this is our, some of our pictures from Pergamum. So our family, we're standing on the upper city of Pergamum and those columns are just the ruins left over from where this very large stone throne sat. That's not there anymore because somebody took it away. And, you know, that's Lucas, of course, drafted to the front of me because he's like seven months old. So poor Lucas, he'll have no memory of this. But anyway, so that's where we are on the upper part. And then this, the middle picture is the lower part of Pergamum. And, you know, there's lots of amazing ruins. But if you look on the hillside that's way in the back in the distance, that's the upper Pergamum. So it was really, in its day, quite a city. Just in the ruins of that place are phenomenal. But the most important picture is the last one, and that's the stone path. And I took a picture of a white stone. Because when we're in the van and we're traveling along and we're listening to the scripture and we're listening to messages that we could find that would talk to us about the seven churches, when I got out of the van, I had one thing on my mind. I was going to find that white stone and take a picture of it. Because to me, that represents my relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I say that Jesus wants to give you a new name, it just means that he wants to call you his own. He wants you for himself. The relationship that we are to have with Christ is personal. It's a personal relationship with Jesus which means no one else can tell you you've gotten it wrong. When you're listening to the Lord and you're following the leading of the Spirit and you say, like I did to my parents, we want to go to Sudan. And they're like, what? It's a war-torn country. It's a war going on. It was like, I don't care what you say. We know this is where we're supposed to go. And it was amazing at how many times we had to kind of defend to Christian people who had a godly mindset, who want to go into all the world, who want to be kingdom builders and reach the lost. It was amazing at how many times we had to defend ourselves and say, no, really, we're going. And we're taking Nate with us. I mean, it was bizarre, but it was a powerful moment for us because we knew God had called us out. He'd given us the definition of what we were going to do and we were set out. Nobody was going to change our minds. 
And yes, everybody told us it was going to be hard, and you know the rest of that story. It was hard. It was really hard, but it was amazing, but it was personal. And that's what God wants for you. He wants to give you that white stone, and he wants to write a new name on it because he wants to call you out for himself. And it needs to be personal to us because it's extremely personal to him. And I want us to take that with us today because God loves us and he gives us so many gifts. And I wrote down several here, forgiveness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the Holy Spirit, the multiple gifts and operations of the Holy Spirit, heaven, healing is a gift. The list goes on and on of all the things that God wants to give to us. But we need to understand that God desires relationship with us and he wants to take us on a journey that refines our faith. And the great thing about faith is that when faith is required, miracles happen. And that's the fun thing for me. If you call me and you tell me that you're going through something in your life, chances are I'm going to get really excited. Because number one, I'm absolutely going to pray. Number two, I know miracles are going to happen. Because now you're in a tough spot and faith is going to be required and you're asking for help. And I just know that's the perfect foundation for awesome things to happen. And then I get to come alongside. I get to be a part of that. I get to see my God at work. I get to witness miracles. And there's nothing greater for me because my mindset is in the kingdom of heaven where everything is meant to be provided for us. And so that's where I can get really excited because faith is required and miracles can happen. I want our men today to hear this. You've got what it takes. I want the women in this church to be a voice in the men in your family to say, you've got what it takes, you can do this. Why? We need to cheer them on. You do your thing, do it well. So I can do my thing and do it well. And we work together. We can find value with one another because that's how we work together. And I feel like as we value one another and as we have purpose and passion, then that's how the church is built together, side by side in unity with one another. Would you stand with me? My prayer for this message today was one of hope that we would walk out of this place today encouraged that God defines everything. He's in us, he's with us, he's for us. Men, Jesus is for you. There's no one cheering you on more than Jesus. There's no one that wants you to succeed more than Jesus. But there's also an enemy in this. And the enemy would love for you to fail. If you think you're failing now, the enemy would love to keep you right where you are. And that's where I want to scream at the top of my lungs and say, come on, men, be strong. Call out for help. Have faith, because miracles can happen. And that's an exciting place to be. It's a place where you can wake up and feel alive and call on the name of the Lord. And that's what I want us to do right now. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We just 
wrap up this time together, just looking at you, God, looking at your word, looking at scripture to us, your word to us, God, that's alive, that cuts away the lies and brings us to a place of truth. I thank you for this message of truth that you gave to the church in Pergamum so long ago. And I'm thankful that we can call on your word today, Lord Jesus, call us to truth today. I pray that you would call our families to truth, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would break down any bondage or lies of the enemy that comes in to kill, steal, and destroy, Lord God. I call on your name, Lord Jesus, that you would raise up our families and set them apart for your kingdom purposes. But Lord, whatever's happened before this moment, that right now in this moment we can say, our focus is on you. I live in the kingdom of heaven and you are my strength. We call on you today. If you're here today, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't fully identify with what I'm saying. Maybe you don't know that Jesus loves you, but maybe you're believing it. Maybe you've been away from the Lord for a long time and you want to be connected with your heavenly father. We just wanna pray with you. We wanna set you out from this place with the right mindset and the right focus and the right purpose. We'd love to pray with you, give you a Bible and talk to you about following Jesus. If you're here today and you would like us to pray with you, would you just raise your hand and just give me a quick wave? Because we would love to pray with you today. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're with us, that you're for us, God. I pray right now that you would take this opportunity to speak to hearts and to lives. I pray where there has been weakness, that you would show strength, God. I pray where there is hurt, you would show healing. I pray if someone's needing faith, God, that you would show up in a miraculous way. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen.